Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Happy Valentine's Day and welcome to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. Sometimes you need advice on those decisions and we are here to help today on Valentine's Day and every day, Monday through Friday, except full national holidays at our Consumer Action Center. Our Team Clark Consumer Action Center just had its 30th anniversary celebration with free advice for you one-on-one at clark.com slash CAC. Today, I'm going to talk about something you may have put in a drawer and forgotten about. Gift cards you received over the Christmas holiday period. And also, If you're thinking of going on a cruise, how you should look for a deal, what to watch out for. So lots of crazy stuff going on with gift cards in 23 that people got over the Christmas holidays. Number one, something that's been a problem in the past has gotten much uglier. Employers that bought gift cards in bulk. And employers tend to buy ones with a Visa logo on a MasterCard or American Express. <sighs> All over the country, people are reporting those gift cards they receive from their employers are empty. There's no money on them. TV stations all around America are reporting on this where employers have given the cards. Criminals have figured out how to crack the codes on those cards. The employees go to use them, and the cards are flat out empty. It's really tough. What do you do as an employee? Do you go to the boss who's been kind enough where the employer gave you this money? They spent money to get that card, and then it's empty? I I think you've got to tell them. And there was a story I saw from a TV station in Boston where an employer gave employees American Express gift cards and they were emptied out somehow by a thief. And the employer is now making up the money to people, giving them cash this time. Much, much, much better idea. Cash is really great. Okay, so if you're an employer and you're giving somebody a $50, $100 gift card, which seems to be kind of the range employers give. I had a former employer that thought they were being very generous giving uh, Christmas ham or turkey. Seriously. Anyway, if you give an employee cash, that will feel, you give them a crisp, you know, five $20 bills. I don't like a hundreds because that's a big counterfeit target. But you give your employee Five $20 bills, or you give them, let's say you give them 50 bucks, give them two 20s and a 10 or something like that. I mean, that feels so much more tangible to somebody to receive than getting an American Express or Visa or MasterCard gift card that Visa, MasterCard, American Express all rip you off as an employer with fees 
that you have to pay to get the card that then the criminals are wiping out before your employee can use them? It's not just the employer-issued cards that are getting emptied out. You buy a gift card to give somebody, they may go to use it, and they're told at the register there's no money on it over and over and over again. Criminals are smart. I didn't say they were good. I said they were smart. And so you don't want this to happen. So those gift cards you've gotten that you've never used, the more time that goes by from when a gift card is given to you to when you get around to using it, the greater the chance there'll be no money on it. And generally, retailers and restaurants are not accommodating. And of course, you know, the banks aren't going to be with the Visa logo, MasterCard, the American Express ones. So use those gift cards. But I've only said for, gosh, Krista, when did I first start saying, you've been with me since 1997. I don't know if I was, gift cards weren't really a thing back then. I don't think so, but I was just a baby then, so. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) So, I mean, it's been a long time that I've been been. saying that gift cards are junk and don't give them to people. Give them cash. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't know why people are allergic to giving people cash. Yeah. Or checks, at least. I know we don't like checks, but yeah. checks, well, you, yeah. we would need to give checks just because of accounting purposes as a business. It's better to you give. You think so? Well, you know, people can do all sorts of stuff with cash. Yeah. Well, in a closely held business, I don't think you, don't, you have you to You can't worry. trust me. I can't trust you. If I can't trust you, I can't trust anyone. I I would do right now, live on the podcast, I will do that uh, trust exercise where I'll just start falling back. See, you saved me. You reached out and you saved me. You could have let me. It would have been much more dramatic, particularly the people that watch the video edition Uh, on YouTube, YouTube, to have seen me hit my head on the floor. Oh my gosh. You wouldn't do that, huh? No, I would not let you. You fall. saw I was really going to go over yes, right there. Yes, you're crazy like that. Yeah. All right, let's go to some questions. You ready? Yeah. Kevin in Virginia says Clark says do not invest through a bank affiliated brokerage, but I'm not entirely sure why. Is it all about the fees? My advisor is affiliated with a giant bank and is paid fee only. My holdings include Vanguard and other household name funds. I think I'm reasonably well invested and diversified without having to make and ex- execute my own buy and sell decisions. Am I missing or misunderstanding something about Clark's advice? You're not, Kevin. And it's possible that this individual, this is a super, what's called a super regional bank. It's one of the 10 largest banks in the country that has a brokerage operation. And they have a reputation as a very, very high fee brokerage. You may be in a very acceptable arrangement, acceptable would be that the person has signed a fiduciary agreement with you that they fiduciary means they have legally bound themselves to do what is only in your best interest so you want to make sure that they have signed a fiduciary arrangement with you second that they are charging you one percent or less as a management fee of the amount of assets that you're investing with them If they are doing those two things, which would be unusual at a bank-affiliated brokerage, but if they are fiduciary agreement and charging you 1% or less on the assets you have invested with the firm, then you're fine. And fee only doesn't mean necessarily anything. And if they might say they're acting, there's two different ways of wording uh, it, right? In your uh, best best interest. Best interest, which is garbage. Yeah. 
best interest is a bunch of uh, gobbledygook that means nothing, that the brokerage industry used its lobbying power and its money to use this best interest garbage instead of something that actually means something, the full legal standard, which is fiduciary. Scott in Connecticut says, Clark, my father, an army veteran, was a big fan and got me hooked on you. Unfortunately, we lost him last summer. I'm sorry. I'm just, sorry you lost your dad. Yes. Just prior to that, he got to hear you answer a question from me on air, and I love that we got to share that. Thank you for giving us that gift. My question then was about selling used Legos and eBay. I have a follow-up to that question. From what I can see on eBay now, as long as I made less than 20000 selling there in 2022, I don't need to report it. Then in 2023, that number goes down to $600. Is that accurate? I appreciate you and your team both for your advice and for your gift of a connection with my dad. I still think of him when I listen to you, so your gift remains special to me to this day. That is such a kind thing for you to say, and I know that you have these incredible, pleasant memories of your father, and I hope that those do bring you joy every day. So the whole thing with the 600 is something that Congress passed the IRS was implementing and now is not this year because there was an uproar. And it'll be up to Congress ultimately to repeal it. What was happening was a lot of people were doing business on the side and then not reporting the income to the IRS. So what the $600 was about was that eBay or whoever it would be, uh, it could be through PayPal, it could be through Venmo Cash App, uh, be big bad Zell that they would send you uh, 1099 for activity of receipt of funds greater than the $600, which is an administrative and idiotic nightmare. So it is suspended for now. So there's no relationship between that and whether or not you have earned income that you have to report. So the Legos. Uh, I assume they were purchased at some point at retail. They're, the cost of them probably exceeds what you sold them for. So there is no income from something that you're disposing of that you paid for fun. You had these Legos. You paid more for them almost certainly when you got them or when they were acquired over time than what you sold them for. Diane in North Carolina says we're pricing out a deck redesign and one of the companies quoted us a range that was a monthly finance price, not the price of the job, but the price to finance. Even after we told them we weren't interested in financing, we would be paying cash for this project. They kept pushing the finance cost. They asked us to tell them what we thought we were willing to pay. They wanted $18,000 for some boards and less than two days labor, a repair, not a build. After their high-pressure sign today to save, offering every promo their supervisor could offer to sign today, they left without giving us an actual on-paper quote for the job, materials, labor, time, for us to reference and compare. This also happened previously when my parents wanted to renovate their bathroom. How can we force these businesses to price the job and not their financing arm? Is there a trick or language to counter these tactics? So this tactic actually came from the car selling business, first on used car lots and then migrated to new car lots. What businesses want, service businesses uh, following on the heels of the car dealers, 
is they want what they call payment buyers. That people do not, cannot figure out how to comparison shop if all they're quoted is a monthly payment. You know, what do you think you can afford per month? Like you go to vehicle lots, you go to used car lot, they'll say, hey, what do you think you can afford per month? And then they, before you know it, you've signed a very high interest rate loan with payments that go on forever. That's the idea that has unfortunately crept into home improvement. And not every company in home improvement plays dirty pool like that with the whole payment buyer thing. So it's going to require more work on your part to call more contractors and get quotes from companies that are going to straight up give you a real quote for the actual job itself rather than saying, just sign here, just sign here, just sign here, high pressure. Well, if you sign today, we're going to do this, that, or the other for you. Anytime somebody starts that, if you sign today, we're going to do this, that, or the other, that's what they call in high-pressure sales, no be-backs. If you're not familiar with no be-backs, it's like, well, we'll be back with you. We'll get back with you. That They know that given time to reflect, that you'll never do business with them, so they need to pressure you to sign right then and there. You did the right thing. Coming up ahead, a much more pleasant topic, sailing the high seas. We're going to talk about strategies to save money on cruises and the gotchas you got to be aware of before they run off with your wallet. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So we have become a family that goes on cruises. It was never our thing. And if you're a longtime listener, I'll give the quick version of this so you don't say, oh, I've heard Clark talk about that. But our son, when he was a young elementary school kid, got all caught up in the 100th anniversary of the sinking of the Titanic, 2012. You'd never know what goes through a young person's mind. You'd think that seeing that ship sink and all those people, that it would lead to an aversion to going on cruises, but he, <laughs> in that young child's mind, became obsessed with going on a cruise. And I was like, you know, we don't do that. We don't go on cruises. And so I think he was a kindergartner at the time. Yeah, kindergarten. He was telling his teacher about this. He really wanted to go on a cruise. And his teacher told him, write your dad a letter. And she obviously helped him with the letter. She let us know a letter was coming from our son. 
And so he wrote all the reasons why we should take him on a cruise. And the last one was, Dad, so I can spend more time with you. I mean, what are you going to say to that? I mean, a six-year-old learning how to turn the screws. Wow. So Impressive. Yeah. So uh, I found the shortest cruise I could get, which was a three-night cruise, thinking, oh, he'll do this. Everything will be fine. He loved it and became even more obsessed with cruises. And so vacation after vacation after vacation, we've gone on cruises. And now Lane and I have actually learned to adapt and enjoy them. So we're going on another family cruise in a few weeks, and we tend to go once a year on a cruise. And you learn how the game is played. Now our son has been on 17 cruises, by the way. Oh, my goodness. There were years we were doing two in a year. That's a lot, isn't it? That's a lot of cruises. Yeah. So, I mean, we got the drill. We understand. We've been on multiple cruise lines, got the whole thing. So cruise lines had near-death experiences financially from the COVID. They're all pretty much weak-kneed from that. They're having a rough time. But at the same time, when people shop for cruises, they shop based on the headline price. Cruise lines know that. And they'll say, you book these next 72 hours, you got a 30% discount, and your second person gets a 50% discount, and the third person, we're paying them to go on the ship, blah, blah, blah. And then what do they do? While you're busy booking, they grab your wallet. They're really good pickpockets. Because what you got to be really aware of is the fees, fees, fees. The cruise lines have been boosting all kinds of fees. And so when you're shopping for a cruise, it's just like I talk about with airlines, except a little more complicated. And that is you got to know what you're really going to pay, not what the airline says the ticket's going to be. And then you add on the baggage fee and the seat assignment fee and the breathing fee and the, oh, you're flying on Thursday fee and all that. The cruise lines have taken that from the airlines and they've amped it up. And recently, they've all decided to raise daily service fees that you pay. Then things that were free are now paid for and blah, blah, blah. So when you're trying to compare with the three majors, I mean, most cruise cabins in the world are controlled by three corporate entities, Carnival, which owns multiple brands, Royal Caribbean, which owns multiple brands. And then the third player is smaller, but owns several brands, NCL or Norwegian. And each of their brands treat it differently. Like with Royal Caribbean, if you look at celebrity, a lot of the things that you might be junk feed on on Royal, you're not junk feed on celebrity. The cabin will cost more up front but then there's not nearly as many add-ons. So when you're shopping for cruises, you got to really pay attention to not just they're saying they're selling, you know, a balcony cabin for blah, blah, blah. Right now, if you book these next 48 hours, gosh, this sounds a lot like what we were talking about earlier with the home improvement, it does. doesn't it? It does, yeah. Same kind of hurry, 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 hurry. Okay. Go through and look at everything else you're going to have to pay. Figure out the total cost of that cruise. And let's face the facts, okay? A lot of times we don't want to think about that because we're excited about taking the trip and we don't really want to think about the total cost. But if that total cost would cause your wallet indigestion later, 
I want you to know everything extra you're going to have to pay during that trip. For people who consume alcohol, you want to pay close attention if you are a drinker, what it's going to cost and be very wary of the alcoholic drink packages that the cruise lines sell because you may find that you need to consume as many as 8 to 12 drinks a day to break even on the cost of an alcohol package. Gosh, if you can drink that many drinks a day, you're not going to remember anything from the trip, would you? I wouldn't think so. All right. So having said that, where do you find the bargains? It's not a where, it's a when. The calendar is your friend or your enemy with cruises. 52 weeks a year, they got to get revenue from those ships. Certain weeks, as you would know, are super surcharged. Uh, Spring break weeks. Christmas, New Year's weeks, those two weeks around Christmas, New Year's, ultra expensive. Summertime when kids are out from school, much more expensive. But then there are weeks that are really, really soft. September usually, very inexpensive. January, right in the midst of winter. People have have spent all their money at Christmas. Kids are back in school. January and midwinter, if you live in a cold climate, could be a really great time to go on a cruise. The calendar is your friend as well as the port you depart from. The port can have a huge impact. You can be in the same class of ship on the same cruise line and a sailing on a particular date for whatever reason could be very, very weak out of one port versus the same class ship out of another port that could be very heavily booked And the cruise lines use dynamic demand pricing. The price differences can be quite large. We have a simple guide to where to look for a deal on a cruise on Clark.com. It's also really great if you're an experienced cruise passenger. You can just use the discount sites to shop for deals. If you're an inexperienced cruise passenger, use a person who is an experienced cruise agent. What they know will help you avoid so many learning curve issues that you may not know otherwise. And can you believe I talk that much about cruises? Because you go back (laughs) with me to when I said, I will, what's that word we should never use? Never. I will never go on a cruise again. And now I go- 17 later. Yeah. Okay, well, Anne in Pennsylvania has a travel question. My husband and I are going to Europe this spring. We owe the balance to the travel agency in about 10 days. If we pay by check, it will be 3% less than if we put it on our MasterCard. We do get 2% off on our MasterCard purchases, 2% back. Even though we do have travel insurance already, I'm thinking it's safer to charge on the credit card and pay a bit more in case something happens and we cannot go. I would think this credit card company would assist us in getting our money back. Do you agree? And should you ever pay in cash for large trips? So this is a trend with a number of cruise lines that particularly sail uh, riverboat cruises in Europe, tours in Europe, cruises in uh, the Mediterranean, that they're now offering a price differentiation, which is very common in Europe with travel generally. A lot of the airlines in Europe offer a cash discount or in reverse you could look at it as a credit card surcharge so 
an issue in the travel industry, particularly with tour operators, is supplier bankruptcy. And there is an advantage to you paying what would net out to you 1% more because depending on the circumstances, if the tour operator were to fail, that you would, for that 1%, you're buying the possibility that your credit card issuer would step in and aid you and help you with the recovery of your funds. When credit card companies sell travel, when they, when they book travel for you, when you pay through them, I guess is the right way to say, they tend to have what's called holdback because the travel industry has had a lot of problems with supplier failure. So they hold back a certain amount of money that these tour operators and travel companies like to have to operate their businesses, which is even a bigger factor for many of them than the merchant fees they're having to pay to the credit card company. So there is a direct advantage to using a credit card. When uh, What was the cruise line that failed last year? Crystal. One of our Team Clark employees was booked on one of the ships, and because she had paid on a credit card, her money came back fast. If she had not paid by credit card, she may have waited a long time, if ever, to have seen her money come back. Jason in Georgia says, I was unable to max out my IRA contributions before tax day. Would it be okay to take a loan out of my TSP to max out my Roth IRA? The money would be invested still, and the payback spreads out my Roth IRA contributions as far in the future as I choose or need. I don't see any issues other than if it affected future years' contributions. What are your thoughts? Wow, nobody's asked me this question in at least five years. And it is a little bit of a pact with the devil. The advantage of getting the 6000 6500 now? The advantage of getting money into the Roth IRA is so beneficial long-term that, gosh, I, I guess it would work to pull that money out of a temporary loan in the TSP and fund the Roth IRA because not done, you lose the money. So for 22, 6,000 and 23 is 6,500. So I was right both ways. So yes. if we're looking at last, a last year contribution that done this year at 6,000, this year contribution 6,500. Thank you. And Nancy in Iowa says, I bought a couch and chair from Interior Define. I'm currently paying for the, the set with a firm and I owe $2,000. The couch had some issues and they were sending me a new couch next month. I got a message today that they declared bankruptcy and I will not be getting my replacement couch and all unfilled orders, refund claims and cancellations will be processed by the assignee. Because I'm not getting the replacement and the couch isn't right, do I still have to pay through a firm for this? Is there any other alternative? This is the first grown-up furniture I've ever had. I'm really, really sorry about this circumstance. And you're dealing with a firm, they are a lender, and you have specific rights to dispute the quality of goods or services. You must do so in writing with a firm, and you're going to have to document whatever documentation you can provide showing prior written communications that the couch was not in good condition and it was being replaced and the process of being replaced, you're left with a wounded duck that you don't want and you want the one you were supposed to have that's not going to happen. So 
a firm is required under the law to work with you on a viable solution. They do not have the ability to say, oh, not us, not us, not us, this is in bankruptcy. Uh Uh-uh. That is the lender you are responsible to pay. Everything you do with them must be in writing. Phone calls mean nothing. We've had so many failures in the furniture business after things boomed during the pandemic, people suddenly lost interest in furniture. Be very careful giving any cash deposits at any time to any furniture seller, period. You want to do business with a form of credit because that gives you rights that you would not have otherwise. When a furniture retailer fails, there's no there there and your money takes a one-way trip, and the furniture, your case, it showed up, just not right. In most people's case, no furniture shows up, and their money won't show up ever again, either if they pay by cash or check versus credit. I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. Know that we have wonderful, informative newsletters that are available to you every single day. And they are free. Just go to Clark.com slash newsletters. 